You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. This morning we continue on into our series on prayer. We're in a 16-week series on uh, prayer. Uh, This uh, week we're going to be talking about how we should pray next week. Stephen, pray for Stephen. He has the flu or had the flu, so like it's not contagious, I don't think. Um, uh, He's had the flu this week, and so uh, pray for him. But he's going to be preaching next week. Mary Lane and I will be in um, Florida, not for the Super Bowl, unfortunately, um, but we will be in Florida. Mary Lane and I are going to Florida for a conference uh, with Donnie Simpson, our director of missions. Uh, Donnie's asked me to go uh, with him down to Jacksonville, Florida on a conference on Baptist associations, how they work, and what it means to participate in um, a Baptist association. So we'll be down there uh, this next weekend, and so uh, you'll be blessed by Stephen as he'll continue our series in prayer as we continue on for the next uh, 16 weeks. One thing we want to start doing uh, at during this time, right before we get into our time of teaching on prayer, is begin sharing different answers to prayer that we're seeing in our faith family. Um, and so I want to share one of those answers to prayer uh, with you. Many of you know, uh, if you don't, um, shame on you, uh, but many of you know Kyler and Renee Salisbury in our faith family. They've been in our faith family for like since the, my third Sunday here from the beginning. Um, and so they've been here and we've gotten to, to see them uh, uh, fall in love, get married. And many of you know, they have been on a very real journey. A journey through infl- uh, infiltr- uh, not able to have a baby. I can't say it. And uh, and so they've been going through some treatments um, over this last year or so. And uh, if you're on social media, you've been able to keep up with that. Um, but in the last uh, few months, months God has blessed them with a baby. And so we want to thank God for that and praise God for that. And they found out yesterday, and I called this one. Uh, they're having a boy. And so we're really excited and want to praise God for this answer to the prayer. They've been in prayer for it. They've asked a lot of us as church leaders to be in prayer for them on that. And so we want to praise um, God for that. The Bible teaches that children are a blessing from the Lord. Even at 2 a.m., as they will soon find out, they are still a blessing. And um, God, and, and, and God uh, teaches that in his word, that children are a heritage, they're a blessing. And so we want to thank God for this blessing. And if you have something in your life that you have been praying about and you want that to be an answer of prayer to be shared with our faith family, let us know and we'd be happy to share that. As we begin testifying and, and sharing how God is answering prayer in our faith family, uh, so we're going we're gonna, to uh, just have a time of thanksgiving and prayer and of, of blessing upon Kyler and Renee and this new ch- uh, baby boy that they'll be having. And then um, also want us to begin praying as a, as a church that coming up here in just about a month, we're going to be having a spring break vacation Bible school for three days, uh, March 15th through the 18th. And so you'll hear more about that as Stephen even said in the announcement. So we're going to pray about that as well. So let's pray. Let's thank God for this child, this baby boy that God has given Kyler and Renee. And then we'll jump into our time in the Word this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for being good. 
Thank you for being generous and gracious to us as your people. And God, many of us have been praying for a while that you would bless Renee and Kyler with a baby. And God, you've answered that prayer. And we just thank you and praise you for that. Lord, we thank you for uh, the doctors that they've been working with. And Lord, we just, we just thank you and just in your sovereignty of placing them with those doctors. And so, God, we just know that this child is a gift from you. This is your doing. This is good. And we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, we pray for uh, Renee and this little boy. We pray that you would keep them healthy. Give Renee the uh, energy she needs to uh, carry this child. We pray for Kyler as he supports Renee at, through this process. And uh, God, we pray that you would just help us as a faith family to rally around them, to love them well as they uh, bring this life into this world. We pray for the spring break vacation Bible school coming up here in just about a month, Lord. Many of us in our faith family have come to know you through vacation Bible school, and so we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to host this here. Uh, we pray for these college students that are going to be putting this on for us from Mississippi, that you would uh, use this in their life. We thank you for the opportunity we have as a church to minister to these college students as they minister to us and to our community. Now, God, as we study your word this morning about prayer, I pray you would help us to walk away here closer in our relationship with you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we have, as I said, been studying prayer. We've spent three weeks so far. We started about talking about what is prayer? What is it? When we talk about prayer, some of us can have a lot of different ideas. Depending on our backgrounds and how we've been raised, we might have a different idea on what prayer is. And so we defined what prayer is. And prayer is simply personal communication with God. That if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you and I have the privilege to have personal, personal communication with the God of the universe. And so we have that. And so we've been talking about what is prayer? It's personal communication with prayer and then, uh, with God. And then we talked about how should, uh, or we talked about how does prayer work? We talked about that last week. We talked about how does prayer work that because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, because of the holiness of God and our sinfulness, we do not have access with God. We do not in our own rights have access with God. But because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have access to God in prayer. It's called the priesthood of the believer. We don't need a priest. We are able to go and pray to God directly. We have a private audience with the God of the universe through prayer. Well, this morning... We're going we're, we're gonna to talk about how should we pray. How should we pray? How are we supposed to pray? How, what are some do's, maybe some don'ts? How are we supposed to pray? So we are going to fly through a lot of different of passages of Scripture, okay? I am going to hit you with a barrage of Scripture, okay? It's going to be a lot, it is going to be a lot to take in. You may, might feel like, uh, I've heard some people say, like a dog drinking from a fire hydrant. You're not going to be able to take all this scripture in. So in your worship guide, you have a place to take notes. 
I would encourage you to get a pen uh, and, and use that and just write these references down because we are not going to have time this morning to break down all of this uh, together, all right? That'd be, it would, we would be here all day and all evening, and from Word on the Street, there's a football game tonight, and so we want to be able to get you to that. And so um, write these passages of Scripture down. We're going to look at some of them together, but I'm also going to quote some, read some to you that we won't have time to turn to. So I would encourage you to write these down and go back this week and study them out for yourself. So how are we supposed to pray? How are we supposed to pray? We've seen what, what is prayer. We've seen how does prayer work. So how are we supposed to pray? First of all, number one, we are to pray with faith. At a basic level, at a foundational level, prayer is a test of faith. Think about it for a moment. This idea of praying to some being that we believe created this entire universe with all the billions of people on this planet, yet he hears our prayers, that takes a level of faith. And so we are to pray with faith. At a basic level, prayer is a declaration of faith because it comes with trust in a personal God who wants us to take him at his word. If we pray without faith, we are not praying. So at a basic level, when we pray, we have to pray with faith. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Like I said, we're going to turn to some of these passages of Scripture, but at other times, at others, we're not going to be able to. But look at Mark chapter 11 and see what Jesus had to say about this. He said this in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now we need to interpret this passage of Scripture correctly and rightly, because if not, we can take this down some roads that this, this verse is not meant to take us down. Different translations I just read from the Christian Standard Bible, you might have a different translation in front of you, but different translations may say this differently. But in the Greek text, and I know I'm breaking some rules that some preaching professors say, but I'm going to go ahead and break those rules. The Greek text, if you had a Greek text with you, and you were to translate what that verse says in Greek into English, it would say, believe that you have received it. So what Jesus is saying that when we ask for something and pray, when we're praying, the kind of faith, we need to pray with the kind of faith that will bring results is an assurance that when we prayed for something, God has agreed to grant our specific re request. So when we talk about praying with faith, we are talking about an assurance that one, God hears us, that God will answer us. Now, we need to remember that this faith is not something we can conjure up ourselves. All right? This is not something that we can sit there and be like, okay, I believe that God is going to answer my prayer. This is not something we can talk ourselves into. 
This faith is not like believing in something of um, material being. This is, this is a faith that we cannot create in ourselves. Just like when we talk about saving faith, believing in Jesus Christ for our salvation, that is not something that we can create in our hearts. That is something that God has to do. That God has to reveal to us and then through a miracle of the Holy Spirit cause us to believe and have faith. So, because we cannot conjure up this faith in ourselves, this kind of faith on our part when we are talking about prayer, this faith can only come from God. Only God can give us this sense of assurance that he has agreed to grant our request. This faith can only come from him, and he may or may not give us each time we pray. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We're going to talk about unanswered prayer. What if I pray and ask God for something and he doesn't answer me or in the way I want him to answer? What does that mean? So this assured faith will often come when we ask God for something and then quietly wait for him to answer. When we pray, we must pray with faith. And this is only a faith that God can create in us, an assurance that only God can give. So you might be sitting here asking and say, Adam, I'm not sure I have that faith. I've got something that I am specifically praying for right now, and I've been praying a long time about this, and I'm not even sure God's hearing me. I'm not even sure God's going to answer me. What do I do? I would counsel you to pray for faith. Say, God, help me to believe. Open my eyes, open my heart, examine my heart for areas in my life where I'm not trusting you, where I'm not believing you completely, and then pray for that faith. So we are to pray with faith. Second of all, we're to pray with obedience. We've said for the last three weeks when we've talked about prayer, Prayer is a relationship with God. And with any, like any relationship, it comes with some ground rules, right? If, it, if, there's, if you're in a relationship with someone and there's not any kind of ground rules, then it's really not a relationship at all. And so since prayer is a relationship with God and we've defined it as per, personal communication with him, Anything that we might have in our lives that displeases him, it will hinder our prayers. If we are disobedient to God and we are not pleasing him, then it is going to hinder our prayers. That's just logical. Just like any other relationship. If there is friction in a relationship, if there's brokenness in a relationship, and things are not going well in a relationship, then there is then the communication's not going to be good. Turn over to Psalm 66, verse 18. Here's another one we'll turn to. Psalm 66, verse 18. David says, If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. 
However, verse 19, however, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. Blessed be God. He has not turned away my prayer or turned his faithful love from me. When David's talking about here that God has, has heard his prayer, has answered, he says, if I have been aware of malice or sin in my heart, God, the Lord would not have listened. Write this verse down. We don't have time to turn there, but write this verse down. Proverbs 15, verse 8. The Bible says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Then further down in Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Now, this teaching can be misunderstood if we do not need, we, we can begin to think that, well, okay, for God to understand or to hear my prayer, then I need to be sinless. Well, if we needed to be sinless in order to pray, then you and I are not getting anywhere. We're just not. I mean, if, if, if we had to be sinless for God to hear our prayers, then you and I's prayers, they wouldn't go any far, farther up than the ceiling. It's as far as they'd go. So when Proverbs says, but he hears the prayer of the righteous, what does this mean? See, we do not need to be sinless in order for God to hear or answer our prayers. Because then logically, no one in the whole Bible except Jesus would have had their prayers answered. When we come before God through his grace, remember, you and I have access to God in prayer through the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. And so when we come before God through his grace, we come cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But we can't ignore the command of personal holiness in our lives. See, salvation is not a get out of hell free card. It is not a pass to just live however we want to live. No, God told his people, Israel, and he tells us, be ye holy for I am holy. So in the life of the Christian, in the life of the believer, there is a standard of personal holiness. Prayer and holy living go hand in hand. Because if we are not living holy as best as we can, and we will screw up, we will mess up and we will sin. But if, as, as David writes in Psalm 66, verse 18, if we're aware of sin in our hearts, the Lord would not have listened. And as we're going to see in just a minute, a key part of prayer is confession of our sin. We are called as believers, we are called as the church to personal and corporate holiness. And if we live in a way that does not please God, our relationship is going to be on rocky ground at best with him. And so naturally that will affect prayer, personal communication with him. But if we live in a way that pleases God and we live up to his standards, then a natural outflow of that obedience in our lives, then the natural flow of that is going to flow right into our prayer life. You show me holy living, a, per, a person that is living and step with the Spirit of God, you will also see a praying person. You can't have one without the other. Holy living naturally flows into the natural byproduct of prayer. Then third of all, how should we pray? When we pray, we should be praying with confession of our sin. 
Turn to Psalm 51 here. Psalms 51. I can't tell you how many times in my own personal life that I've come back to Psalm 51. Unfortunately, at times, I find myself going back to Psalm 51 and back to Psalm 51 and back to Psalm 51. Let me give a little context to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was written by King David. And there was a time when kings, when they were supposed to go out to war. But David decided not to do that. So what did David do? He went for one evening for a walk up on his rooftop of his palace. See, up there, as he was up there on the rooftop of his palace, he looked out and saw a woman bathing herself on her rooftop. He then began to do a little research, and he called her into his palace. He slept with her. He committed immorality. And her husband was a captain, a higher up in his army, and he put her husband on the front lines of a war, a battle, and he was killed. So all of a sudden, King David, who the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, is now guilty of adultery and murder. Some time goes by and a prophet comes to him. Nathan comes to him and gives him a parable and the moral, the, the point of that parable was that a, a man who was higher up in his position took advantage of another man in his lower position. And then Nathan calls out the king of Israel and he says, you are the man. Not in you are the man how we say it today. You are the one that has committed adultery. You are the one who has committed murder and David's heart breaks before the Lord over his sin. And we see in Psalm 51 that David writes this psalm. May you might even have a little portion at the top of this psalm in your Bible. It says a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba is what it says in my Bible. might say something similar to yours. And here's what David wrote after he had sinned in this way. He said, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before you, before me. Against you and you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass, pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. 
God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Faith family, I ask us the question, when was the last time you and I prayed like that? When was the last time you and I were so broken over our sin to where we, st- we stood before God in prayer and we said, God, I am conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you, are, when you judge. When was the last time you and I prayed like that? When was the last time you and I, when we had sinned before God, that we prayed this way in confession of sin? See, oftentimes when we sin, we don't call it rebellion. We really don't understand or realize that when we sin, we're sinning against God and God alone, and that when he passes a sentence for our sin, he is right, and when he judges, he is blameless. So when was the last time when you and I, when we have, we have had sin in our lives that we were so broken in our sin that we agreed with God about our sin and we were so broken about it that we, pray, we prayed in this way? See, oftentimes when we pray, we ignore our sin. And we don't want to admit it. We try to hide from it and we say it's not a big deal and, and we, we don't call it for what it is and it's simply nothing more than rebellion shaking our fist at God. So when we pray, we are supposed to pray confessing our sins. And then number four, confessing our sins, and this goes hand in hand together with number four, the forgiveness of others. Because when we confess our sin, we expect, as we should, we expect God to forgive our sins, and he does. But then also when we pray, we are supposed to pray in forgiveness of others. So turn over to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Look at it with me. I told you we were going to be jumping around a lot today. But look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Or let's go, let's go to verse 9. I told you when we started this series, we were going to come back to Matthew 6 a lot. So here we are. We're back. This is a model prayer that Jesus gave. And this is how Jesus taught to pray. He said, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive for." For as we also have forgiven our debtors, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now look at verse 14. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your your Father will not forgive your 
offenses. Again, we keep coming around to this idea that prayer assumes a personal relationship with God as a person. As a person. And so if we have a personal relationship with God, remember we have sinned and He is holy, and so there has been forgiveness brought on our sin because of Jesus Christ. So if we have sinned against God, and the sin has not been confessed and forgiven, it interrupts our relationship with God. So until sin is forgiven and the relationship with God is restored, then, re- then prayer is going to be nearly impossible. So Jesus here in Matthew 6 commands us to build into our prayers a request that God forgive us. Confession of sin, as we saw in Psalm 51, Jesus commands us to build into our prayers a request that God forgive us in the same way that we have forgiven others. So if we have not forgiven others, then we have no right to ask God to forgive us of our sins. If we have not forgiven others in the sense that we are holding a grudge or bitterness against another person, then we have no right to ask God to forgive us of our sins because we are asking God to give us something that we are not willing to give somebody else. So if, those are, if there are those that we have not forgiven when we pray, then we are asking God not to restore a right relationship with us after we sin in just the same way as we have refused forgiveness in others. So faith family, let me encourage you. If there is someone that you are harboring a grudge or bitterness to, can I encourage you to forgive them why? Out of the example that God has given to us. Because the reality is there is no one that has offended us like we have offended God. And so if we have been a recipient of such great love, it should be a natural outflow out of our lives, out of obedience that we forgive others. That should be natural. Fifth, we're supposed to pray with humility. Turn over to Luke chapter 18 and look at verse 9. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. Jesus gives a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. A parable is a story to teach spiritual truth. And here's what Jesus said, verse 9 of Luke 18. He said, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, a tax collector was not a good guy. Basically ripping people off. Kind of like, never mind. Verse 11, Some of you will catch that later. Verse 11, the Pharisee was standing praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What's Jesus saying here? This tax collector who was even robbing people, charging an incredible interest rate, and was calling himself a sinner, was getting more out of prayer. He was justified even before a Pharisee who devoted his life to religion and talked about, God, thank you that I'm not, not, not like some other sinner. What's Jesus teaching here in prayer? That we are to pray with humility. And why should we pray with humility? Because you know what? We're all in the same boat. We are all, each one of us here this morning, are incredibly sinful. So your sin might be worse than mine, or my sin may not be as worse as yours, but you know what reality is? Sin is sin, and it doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat together. So when we pray, we ought to pray with humility. A lot with the idea we talked about how sometimes if we're not careful, we can teach prayer as a, uh, we can treat prayer as a spiritual litmus test to show off how spiritual we are. Oh, no, no, no. We cannot do that because when we by nature are not spiritual people. We are unrighteous. We are sinful. We are to pray with humility. Write down James 4, 6 through 10. We don't have time to look at this, but James 4, 6 through 10, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Six, when we pray, we need to pray with waiting. I do not like to wait. I am not by nature a patient person. Don't look at me like that. I know you are too. We are by nature not patient people. But turn over to Psalm 130, and here is one of the beauties of prayer. One of the beauties of prayer is that God makes us wait. In Psalm 130, verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord. I wait and put hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. Faith family, a natural peace of prayer that we don't like, but that we should embrace is waiting. And God is good and he is gracious. And so he makes us wait when we pray because it strengthens our relationship. It makes the relationship stronger. Have you ever heard the phrase distance makes the heart grow fonder? 
I remember I was in my last semester in college, and Mary Lane and I were dating, and she was here in Kansas City, and I was up in Wisconsin, and so we weren't seeing a lot. We were talking to each other on the phone, um, you know, every night. That was in the days before you had unlimited minutes, and um, so I waited till 9 o'clock Central Time so I could call, so then minutes were free after 9 o'clock, and so I would sit there and wait, on, watch on my phone for 9 o'clock, and a lot of times I would wait till 9.01 to make sure that I didn't go over on minutes because my dad paid my cell phone bill and that was going to be a conversation for another time. And so I, 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 I would wait. And so honestly, some of the best communication we had during our dating relationship was when we were living far apart. Why? Because we were intentional in our communication and we were on the phone together and we would talk for hours and, you know, my roommates would make fun of me, but then I would make fun of them because they do the exact same thing with their girlfriends. And like, that's just what it was. And, and that distance made your heart grow fonder and faith family. When God makes us wait in prayer, the Bible proves this, that it makes our relationship with God grow stronger. Because think about it. If we prayed and God gave right away, how would we treat God? No different than Aladdin and the genie. We'd rub that lamp, the genie would pop out, and we would ask. And prayer would be better because we'd have more than three wishes, right? I believe sometimes God makes us wait in prayer because he said, listen, I'm going, he says, I'm going to, I hear you, I'm going to answer you, but I want to be in communion. I want to be in relationship with you. So if you find yourself in a period of waiting in prayer, embrace it. Don't run from it. Lean into it. Because God is strengthening his relationship with you. Last point here, number seven. We pray, when we pray, we are to pray in private and we are to pray with others. We don't have time to turn there, but write down Matthew chapter six, verse five. Jesus teaches this very clearly in Matthew chapter six that we are to pray in private. He talks about not praying in a way that we are showy, but that we are really to pray in private. And so as individuals, we are to pray privately. But then in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20, you can write this down. We're also to pray with others. So we are, we are supposed to also pray privately, but we're also to pray corporately. We're supposed to do both. It's not one, of the, one or the other, it's both. So we shouldn't be, our attitude shouldn't be, well, I pray at church, so therefore I'm not going to pray on my own. And our, our thought process shouldn't be, well, I pray on my own at home, so I'm not going to pray with others. It's both. We are commanded to pray privately, and we are also commanded to pray with others. One of the beauties of prayer is that we as believers, the church, we find strength in praying together. We find strength in that. That kind of that idea of strength and numbers. That when we pray together, we pray in a way that we pray together and we are strengthened together. Because one, we're praying together in unity. We find strength because we're, we're seeking God together. And when we do that, it mutually draws us together. And so 
if a church does not have unity, you know, you hear all the time, well, church is all, we need more unity. We need to be more together. You know what the simple solution to that is? Pray more. Pray more together. Pray together because it brings us together. And as we pray together, it brings us together closer to God. Just when we pray privately, it strengthens our relationship with God. When we pray together as the church, corporately together, it brings us together as the body of Christ. It brings us together in a bond and a strength that only prayer can do. Faith family, we've been given an incredible privilege in prayer, a personal, personal communication of God. So as we pray, let's pray with faith. Let's pray with obedience. Let's pray, as we pray, let's pray confessing our sins to God and to each other. When we pray, let's pray in a spirit of forgiveness of others. When we pray, pray with humility. When we pray, pray with waiting. And when we pray, let's pray in private and together. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this incredible gift of prayer. I pray that when we pray, we would pray in a way that is pleasing to you. We cause us, create in us a spirit of faith and obedience as we pray. As we pray, we pray that you would give us the humility to confess our sins to you, that we would take our sins seriously as you do, and that we would ask for forgiveness of our sins. We pray, we pray you give us the humility to pray. Lord, help us to never treat prayer as a spiritual litmus test, but that when we pray, it would be in a way that is humble before you. And as we pray, God, give us the strength and courage to pray privately, but also to pray with others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Music